What's going on, all you beautiful people? You're tuning into the Baseline FaceTime podcast. Make sure to leave a like, subscribe, and comment down below for today's episode. I am your host, Manny, and welcome to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Baseline FaceTime podcast, episode five. I can't believe we're already five episodes deep, Manny. What's up? Dude, it's crazy to think that we're five episodes in already. I know. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, we actually are having really fun. This is the best part of doing all of this, not the stuff behind the scenes. That's right. It is not the behind the scenes work. Trust us. It was not pretty <laughs> this evening getting all set up, but we are here. It's a headache and a half. Yeah. And so why don't you remind the people all of the platforms that we are available on? So for those of you who are just tuning into us, that we are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio uh, Public, and YouTube as well. And if you're on YouTube watching the video version, make sure you leave a like, comment, and subscribe because we look at those and we greatly appreciate it. And also share with a friend that you think might like the video as well. That's for sure. So we've got a unique episode today. That's for sure. Yes, yeah, definitely unique. It's our, actually our first guest. It is. So we have our first guest and uh, he's a great basketball player because we are a basketball podcast, so we wanted to have him on. And so he's actually a really, really, really good friend of mine since, like, I don't know, we were in fourth grade when we met. Those are the best friendships. That's right. And now we're 23 years old, still really good friends. And so his name is Zach Brethwaite. He's joining us tonight from Atlanta, Georgia. Zach, say hello. Uh, hey, Manny. Hey, Troy. What's up? Uh, it's great to be on the Baseline FaceTime tonight. Yeah, man. That's what's up. That's what's up. We're happy to have you. So, you know, we just, we're happy to have our first guest and we're happy that it's you. And so what we're going to do tonight, you know, it's just, we're going to talk some ball, talk some, um, you know, basketball experience on your end since, you know, you've played college basketball for four years and you're just out of that and kind of what it's looking like, looking like for you uh, even now. And so we're going to get into quite a few things. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Let's get to it. All right, all right. Would you like to lead us off uh, some of his accolades? Because I'm looking at this, and it seems damn well impressive. <laughs> That's for sure. So, like I said, Zex was a four-year basketball player, and he actually was able to play at three different colleges, and we'll get into that in just a moment. So in high school, he was all-area, all-conference and all-area player in high school. He was a two-time, two-time all-conference performer in college and a one-time district player of the year. At Oxford College, uh, he scored a total of 1,120 points in his career. I can't even count that. <laughs> Very impressive there. And then um, his most impressive thing to me is his, what was that, Zach, your sophomore year? Yeah, that was my sophomore year. Yep, your sophomore year at Oxford, you put up 19 a game, put up 11 rebounds a game, and almost four and a half assists a game. And, of course, that was one of those years you got first-team all-conference honors and you were District Player of the Year. So what does that entail, District Player of the Year? Um, junior college basketball, JUCO basketball, uh, is divided up a little bit differently than Division One or uh, Division Two basketball. Um, it's uh, divided into regions or districts. So at Oxford College, we were in uh, District 10, which is mostly made up of schools in Georgia. And so I was named player of the year for that particular district that season. That's awesome. I mean, look at the stats, like 18.9 points per game, 10.6, uh, what is that, rebounds per game, and four-point assists. That's pretty damn impressive at the college level. It is impressive. That's, that's not a fluke either. You know, that's going in every single night. 
and putting up a double double. That's consistency. Yeah. So that's big. And, you know, of course, like I mentioned, so I, I got to see Zach play in college, Manny, or in college a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I went to one or two of your games, I remember, and then I got to watch a lot of them online. And, uh, but I got to see a lot growing up and a lot in high school. And so one of the questions that I have for you, like, what is the biggest difference, you know, immediate difference that you noticed your freshman year of college from your senior year of high school? What's the biggest difference? Um, I would say either game speed or physicality. Uh, the game is played at a much faster pace in college just because people are more used to what they're doing and they know what they're going to do before they do it. So the whole game moves faster. And then physicality. Um, in high school, you might be dealing with some teenagers or maybe some kids that haven't quite hit puberty yet. But once you hit college, it's, it's almost uh, exclusively grown men. Uh, people that have been in the weight room for several years. So as someone that was really skinny in high school, as you know, Troy, that was kind of a wake-up call. Yep, I can only imagine. Yeah, you're right. They were grown men. Yeah, it sounds like at that point, once you get to the college level, it sounds like you need more than just athleticism. It sounds like you need work ethic, really, judging by what Zach is telling me, mm-hmm. more so than anything. So my my biggest thing, because you know, I never had a chance to play college ball, neither of you, Troy, but like, what was... What was the learning curve there more so of, like you mentioned, like you needed to get in the weight room more because you said you were skinny. Did you find that to be a little bit more harder to do, like adjust to getting into the whole idea of lifting weights? Um, I don't think it was hard to do. Uh, it was really more, I really felt more motivated than anything. Uh, my freshman year, I think I was about 175 pounds, which was probably my close to my playing weight in high school. And I got, uh, there were games where I got pushed around a lot. So that kind of made me mad. And uh, after that, uh, I was just motivated. So it wasn't, it wasn't a thing where it was difficult to get in the weight room and put in the work. Uh, after that point, I wanted to, uh, to prove to myself. And I think I put on 25 pounds that off season. And then for the rest wow. of my uh, college career, my playing weight was around 200. Oh, that's solid. solid. And, and you're, you're six, six foot five, five so that means you would be like a, a two, two or a three. Um, I played a lot of two and three at the junior college level. Uh, my junior and senior years when I was playing division three ball, I played a lot of four. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I think where I saw you play at Bridgewater. So you went to, like we had mentioned, you went to Oxford College, Bridgewater College, and Oglethorpe. Mm-hmm. Oglethorpe. Where is that at? Uh, all three or just Oglethorpe? Just, well, yeah, I guess all three. Um, Oxford College is located in Metro Atlanta. Or not Metro, I mean, um, it's about 30 minutes outside of the city. So kind of uh, rural Georgia, but also close proximity to the city. Uh, Bridgewater College is in the Shenandoah Valley uh, in northwestern Virginia, and Oglethorpe is in uh, North Atlanta. Okay. Okay, that's what I thought. I knew two of them were in the Atlanta area. And so one other one question that I have for you in relation to that. So three different schools, obviously two in the same area, one uh, near me, near Liberty University. So I got to see you play a couple times at Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, one thing with those three schools, I mean, that's a unique opportunity that you had. 
uh, to be able to play under three different programs, three different schools, three different, just, you know, entirely different cultures, I would assume. And so what was that like? If you could even just sum that up a little bit. Um, definitely three different cultures, uh, going to each of these new schools was kind of like jumping in a pool of cold water. Uh, Oxford is a very rigorous academic school. So a lot of the focus is put there. Um, even the coaches are more lenient. Uh, if a player is under academic stress, uh, they might give them a little bit of leeway as far as basketball is concerned. Bridgewater was run out of the three schools that I went to was run the most like a D1 regimen. Uh, we were up early in the morning. We were up at 6 a.m. It was dark. Uh, we were on the football field. We're running sprints. We're doing bear crawls. We're in the weight room uh, before other students are even awake. So uh, that was tough to adjust to, but uh, it, I, I feel like it really created a bond and a brotherhood uh, between me and my teammates. And we got really close as a team as a result of that. And then uh, Oglethorpe, which is also a D3, was a little bit more lax. Uh, the coach was a little more of a laid-back guy, and he gave kind of like an on-your-own approach. Okay. So uh, we kind of had to be more accountable there. Hmm. That's, uh, that's very interesting. But another thing that I'm, I'm always curious about whenever you get to meet somebody, or, and especially that plays at such, uh, such a higher level than like someone at like a rec center, is what player did you look up to the most growing up that influenced your game that you think more than anybody? Uh, what player did I look up to the most that I played with? Yeah. Um, I would probably say uh, A.J. Horde. A.J. was uh, my roommate at Bridgewater. Uh, we, so we only played together for one year, but he was, uh, he had a great impact on me. He's from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, he's only five foot eight, but he's one of the grittiest people I've ever met. Great shooter, <laughs> unbelievable basketball IQ. I think he was averaging 20 points, five rebounds and five assists as a five, eight point guard. Uh, wow. he was, he Jeez. was on his way to uh, conference player of the year before uh, breaking his collarbone. So we lost him for the rest of the season. Um, and he's actively pursuing uh, a professional career overseas. I know he's been to Mexico a few times for tryouts. So uh, wishing him the best of luck in that. Yeah, very cool. Shout out to AJ Hort. Yeah, man, that's, that's impressive. Have you ever thought about trying to make it to the professional level? Uh, I've thought about it. Uh, I'm not currently actively pursuing an opportunity um obviously coronavirus kind of threw a wrench in everybody's plans and that affected <laughs> me as well and uh, i'm also dealing with a knee injury right now that um i won't necessarily be able to take care of until coronavirus kind of dies down a little bit and um elective surgeries are more available sure yeah uh, yeah i think corona really threw a wrench in yeah, like he said, everybody's playing. <laughs> it definitely did. So a torn meniscus, right? Oh, that's not fine. Uh, yes. Yeah, not fine. You got that when? And when did that happen? Um, I actually tore my meniscus this past spring. I want to say in March. Okay. So, so I guess as a college athlete, athlete, how do you really handle injuries? Because you don't get really paid to do anything. Like, how does that work? Because I don't really know. Um, it's tough. 
uh, because you have to hold yourself accountable. And you will see instances, especially because this is not the NBA. This is not Division One basketball. We're not on TV. There's times where uh, maybe you're questioning your teammates. Uh, I don't want to say dedication, but there's times mm-hmm. where um, people don't play through things. Um, the worst injuries I've dealt with were I, I tore my meniscus another time. That was the summer before my junior year. So I played through that my junior year, and I also had turf toe my junior year, which neither of those are serious injuries, but they're just painful and kind of irritating to play with. As far as season-ending injuries uh, or anything that would have medically kept me out, I was lucky enough to avoid that through my whole college career. Wow, pretty pretty lucky. I mean, but some of those things do hurt, you know. It's just a nagging a nagging injury. And it just throws you off your game because I feel like I think Shaq said it best, and I think you could probably agree with this, Zach, is pretty much most of basketball, it's all mental, right? I mean, I think you could say that at a college level. You need a certain level of mental toughness and um, confidence to get you past certain things. Yeah, you definitely need a certain level of – go ahead, Troy. Yeah, I was just just agreeing with, with Manny, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so how, you know, another couple things I'm curious about, you know, and obviously we've talked throughout your whole college career. I've kept it, you know, up to date with you. But one thing, you know, about you that really stuck out in my mind, you know, so I saw you play in high school. You know, we saw each other during college, you know, on on vacation trips or whatever, you know what I mean, on breaks, school breaks. And so um, I remember freshman year you came to Liberty to just hang out with me for a couple of days during during the off season or whatever, and there was definitely a tremendous jump in your game, you know. And so it wasn't just the weight, it wasn't just you know the working out or anything like that. There was just a tremendous jump in your in your skill level. Uh, you'd always been a great basketball player, but it was just like the ease with which you were doing everything when we were just hanging out at the gym was really just something that shocked me. And so if you could even just go into a little bit of detail about that, like, I mean, it was just so easy for you to dunk. It was so easy for you to um, shoot and, you know, and pass and dribble and just everything, you know, that are basics of the game, but it just came so naturally and easy to you. And that's something that I noticed early on in your college career. And so maybe go into that a little bit and then maybe also go into um, what area you think over your four years of playing college football, what area you made the biggest jump in. Um, I would start off by saying, uh, that, that jump, I think a lot of people take that jump when they transition from high school to college. And that's just because in high school, a lot of people are playing because, uh, they just wanted to be a part of a team or maybe their parents wanted them to play, or maybe they just needed something to do in the winter. And then you go to college and, uh, you're surrounded by, like-minded individuals, individuals that have similar skill sets to you and playing with those people every day when that was not something you were used to before, uh, you're going to see a pretty drastic change in your own abilities after even just a couple short weeks. And then uh, the area I would say I improved most was probably uh, just my athleticism and explosiveness. Uh, and that comes again with the just the weight training 
and uh, developing your body. I would say in high school, I was long in high school, but I wouldn't say I was athletic in high school. I didn't have much of a vertical and I wasn't very quick. Um, By the time I was a senior. I agree with that. (laughs) Thank you, Troy. (laughs) Yeah, um, I I was kind of known for for being slow. I was long, but I wasn't. I didn't have much speed. I couldn't really get off the ground. And then uh, by the time I was a junior and senior in college, I would I was, you know, one of the more athletic players on my college team. I was quicker than people. I could jump higher than people. And that just comes from uh, just putting in the work over a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, even even to kind of just attest to that and point a little bit about just what I know and in, in seeing you play you know, with your skill set and being 6'5", and like we mentioned, being able to play multiple positions, you know, that athleticism, that, um, you know, whatever you want to say, it shows in every position, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, that's a transferable thing, and so, like, mm-hmm. working on your, your skill as a, as a shooter or whatever might be a little different if you're stuck in the paint, you know, but something like athleticism, that can go with you in every position. That can go with you on the defensive end, on the offense, you know, mm-hmm. uh, wherever it may be. And so I think that obviously that helped you, you know, and I, I would even agree with that, you know, just in watching you play since high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My question that I would have for Zach, too, is if you were to play for any NBA franchise, which would it be? Sixers. <laughs> Lakers. Any NBA franchise. Um just as an NBA fan in general, I don't think you could go wrong with the Lakers. <laughs> um, my personal favorite team is the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm a big Giannis fan. I've liked them since he started kind of blowing up. But I think I would have to pick the Hornets just because that's my home state team. And I feel like I would want to represent them over any other team in the league. And they could use some help. <laughs> they could definitely use a lot of help. You, you could get some minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he could definitely get some minutes with the Hornets roster, yeah. I guess my, my other thing would be, I guess as a player, I think we can't underestimate the abilities of a coach as well because I don't think we would look at Tony Parker or Mono Ginobili without the tutelage of Greg Popovich. So my question for Zach would be, what's one coach that you would love to have as your coach, like that one person you would like to play underneath and have you lead? An NBA coach? Uh, yeah. Um, is this limited to current NBA coaches? No, they could also be historic as well. Um, of course, you uh, you mentioned Pop. You can't go wrong with Pop. Uh, there's just so many great coaches, not only in the league today, but in history. Uh, I would I would have to go with Phil Jackson just because of his legacy, both with the Bulls and the Lakers. Uh, I don't think anybody else in the modern era can really come close to that. So I would probably go with Phil Jackson. Hmm. Okay, That's a good pick. That's a good pick. So we've talked a little bit about Juco ball, and um, I'm obviously familiar with it just from just from knowing you and, and you kind of knowing how it works. But then also, you know, I have seen time after time, you know, you know my favorite school, West Virginia, and we regularly have guys that come from the Juco ranks and produce on our team. You know, and so that just to say that is just the fact that Juco is legit. Like, it's no joke. This is a real thing. And guys can really make, you know, their name known here and then go to a Division One school. And so I'm just wondering, you know, at a program like Oxford, even, you know, well known in the Juco ranks, 
Is there any, like, who, if maybe even at, like, UNC camps that you've been to or anywhere, who's the best player that you've ever played with, like, on the floor, on the same team or against? One more time, Troy. Who's the best player you've ever been on the floor with, um, you know, at the same time, either with or against? Um, best player I've been on the floor with. Um, AJ is definitely up there. Um, Tom Anungu, uh, was a teammate I had at, uh, Oglethorpe, uh, 6'8", uh, great presence in the paint. Uh, he was a really talented player. Um, I would say the best player I played against was my sophomore year at Oxford. Uh, we played a juco called Gordon State, and Gordon State was loaded. Uh, whole starting five went D1, and my matchup was uh, Rainier Thornton. Uh, you may or may not know him, but he ended up playing at Memphis. He started his last two years at Memphis after leaving, after leaving Gordon State. So uh, that was a pretty tough game on the road. Okay, I, I think I remember. That was a playoff game or no? Uh, it wasn't. It was a regular season. Okay, game. I do remember you telling me about them. You know, it's saying, like, they have five guys that are going to go D1. And so what made, you know, obviously that team loaded, like you mentioned, but what made, you know, a player like that so good, you know, just in your met, in your head, being able to spend 40 minutes on the floor with him, what made him so good? Um, he was so good just because of his basketball IQ. Uh, he wasn't much of a scorer. Uh, if I had to pick an NBA comparison for him, it would be uh, Draymond Green. Um, I would say he only averaged about – 10 or 11 a game. Uh, he probably only took four or five shots uh, the game we played them, but he's just a triple-double threat every night out. Uh, he was only maybe an inch taller than me, but probably had 30 or 40 pounds on me. I think he's about 240. Uh, just a legit 10-10-10 guy uh, every night. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't tell you his stat line against us, but I know that season he mm -hmm. led his conference in rebounds and assists. Wow, that's impressive. That is Draymond, right? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a good comparison. So I guess for me, I mean, what is it? I guess challenging when it comes to guarding somebody fit physical wise. When it, do you hate guarding somebody who's quicker than you, or do you hate someone guarding who has more weight than you and can bully you? Like, what is that one thing that irritates you physically, or even when they trash talk you? I guess because that can that can mess you up as well too. Um, a lot of people like to trash talk. Uh, I guess they think of it as a competitive advantage. Um, trash talking never really bothers me. I just use it as motivation usually. And I'm not the type of person that's going to say something to someone first, unless I do feel like I need that boost and that motivation. Maybe I might start something up, uh, innocent me. Um, <laughs> but as far as, um, Physical attributes. Um, I would say I would say somebody bigger like that, somebody bigger like Rainier Thornton, who I just talked about, who kind of wants to put one foot in the paint, put one foot in between both of your feet, and really just use their uh, use their muscle. Because a lot of times, when somebody is that strong, or somebody wants to post you up, there's not much you can do except foul them. On the other hand, when somebody's quicker than you on the perimeter, uh, I'm. I'm, I might not be as quick as some guards, but I'm quick enough and long enough that I can compensate and kind of uh, 
take away the dribble as well as the shot. But when somebody wants to post you up and they're that much stronger than you, it's not much you can do. Yeah. Troy's a victim of me when it comes to that, yeah. That's accurate. That's a fact. <laughs> you know what else in the NBA is good at that? It's like, as being a Sixers fan, you know who I'm going to say. Embiid? Mr. Embiid, it's, if he gets his position that he wants, it's over. You, you're either going to put him on the line or he's going to score, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're, it's, it's one of two things. And so that actually brings up something kind of interesting this week. Mr. Embiid tweeted this past week, he said this. He said, after nine years in America, I finally got my driver's license. How old is this man? 25, 26. Yeah, he finally got there. He fi- he's, been, he's been in America nine years, so I think he came over when he was yeah, 15, 16. And he finally got his driver's license. Manny, you got any car recommendations for him? He's a big dude, man. I would not recommend any sports cars whatsoever because sports cars tend to be very small and compact, like four GTs, uh would not recommend maybe a Dodge Challenger, but I mean, even though he's just so big, it's like he needs a lot of room. So for him, I would recommend something like a, an F-150 probably, something with a lot of room, maybe like a Ram, like a big truck, because that, that dude is huge. He's a big dude, and it doesn't, that, that tweet doesn't even surprise me, actually, because he he's just a laid-back guy. He plays FIFA, and he just hangs out at home. Like He doesn't do what all these other NBA players really? do, even with all the money he's making. And so it's kind wow. of interesting with him. Zach, you know what happened seven years ago today? NBA related? Um, I don't, Troy. What happened seven years ago today? Seven years ago. Manny, tell him. It is throwback Thursday. Ray Allen hit the shot seven years ago today to lead the game. It was a game six in overtime with five point seconds with the Heat leading over the Spurs, I believe it was. No, no, to put him in overtime. Yeah. Yeah, they put him in overtime. Ray Allen hit the shot, and you know, eventually, obviously, they went on to win that game. They went on to win Game Seven, and they got a chip. Where were so, you guys when that shot happened? Because I remember where I was. I don't even know. Probably upstairs in my house, Zach. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Definitely remember that one, Troy. <laughs> you know, so like, why that is interesting, and why we even bring that up seven years later is just think about the impact that that shot has had and the impact that it would have had if that had not gone in. So we would be looking at a world where LeBron only has two rings. We'd be looking at a world where Kawhi would have three. And really, I mean, you give a guy three, he's getting up there in terms of all-time ranks, a guy like Kawhi. And then Tim Duncan would have six. Living in that world, I would not want to live in that world, even though I'm a Kawhi fan, mainly because I like LeBron James too. But... It is very interesting to see how that would pan out, but I'm, like everyone always likes to give the shot great credit for because it was a tough shot because I think it was Danny Green was closing out on Ray Allen trying to contest the shot and I think he did a pretty good job of it, but it still felt Parker, through. I think too. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so he had two people closing out on him for him to sink that was not only impressive, but think about also you need to give LeBron James credit because in that fourth quarter he put up a monstrous performance because they were down a decent amount from what I remember yeah. in that game. So LeBron went in beast mode. Apparently he missed that shot and then it got kicked out too. Yeah, Bosch kicked it out. Yeah, and then Ray synced it in. But, I mean, people say LeBron James just doesn't have that mentality. He, I think he does. You just need to poke and prod at him a lot in order to get it out of him to put up a monstrous performance because I always like to go back to you know, that game seven in Boston – I think it was. He he was not smiling, not doing nothing, put up 45. 
it's crazy. But I mean, seeing a world where LeBron only has two rings, I don't, I don't want to be in that world. That would be weird. <laughs> that would be weird. Zach, what do you? So, uh, me and Manny had already talked about this on our last episode. Actually, I don't know if you watched. I know you watched a few of them. And uh, one thing that we were discussing on the last episode was Skip Bayless said basically that a ring for LeBron this year would mean nothing because it's a tainted season and all this. It's Mm -hmm. a different year and all this, you know, just nonsense to me. I I think that whoever wins a ring this year, like, it counts just as much as it would have. I just wanted your opinion on that. What do you think about this season and and the finals champion? Um, I think you have to take everything that Skip says with a grain of salt because those guys are going to try to uh, create uh, polarizing points uh, for the views, for the money, things like that. Uh, I don't, I don't, sure. I don't think there's any way that he really believes that, or that he would be saying that if it was anyone other than LeBron with the chance to win a ring. I think this, uh, even though there's going to be an asterisk next to this season, I think this ring would mean just as much for LeBron as it would in any year. I do too, and I think for anybody. I mean, like what I mentioned on the last episode was like, at the end of the day. A month from now, these NBA guys are going to be getting ready to, to play and go out there and try and win a ring and compete for a championship. And I'm going to be just as tuned in as I would have. The only thing that changes is just the date and time of when everything is going down. That's how I look at it as. Mm-hmm. You got anything else for Zach? For Zach? What's your Mount Rushmore basketball? Ooh. My Mount on the Rushmore. Yep. Um, players? Players. Definitely players. Uh, someone's going to have to get left off here. (laughs) (laughs) Better not be LeBron. Uh, I think it's just undisputable that Michael... Yeah, I I think it's undisputable. (laughs) I think it's undisputable that Michael, LeBron, and Kobe go on there. Kobe? Kobe, yeah, I would put Kobe on there. Alright. is this is this You're a top four opener. of all time or just iconic? Top four. Um, top four. Uh, you let top four all time. Top four all time. Uh, just based off intensity and impact of the game, I'm gonna leave Kobe on there. Uh, God rest his soul. And then for the fourth spot, I would love to put Magic, but since we already have two Lakers on here, I'm gonna go Bird. So Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Bird from my Mount Rushmore. Wow. Okay. I don't know how to feel about that one, but okay. right. the White Hope, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, that's good. That's good. Man, I don't even know, like. It's for so me, hard to do that, it is hard. I would put Magic on there. I don't even count LeBron as a Laker unless he gets a ring. LeBron, Magic, Jordan. Sorry, Zach. I know you had a heart attack. Um, and then <laughs> I feel like Iverson would have to go up there for me. Yeah, I mean, it was an iconic thing. Yeah, no, just for, for culturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. Not not Kobe. Not Bird. Wilt. Maybe hmm. we talked about this. Remember we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I forget who I had. <laughs> it changed him by the day anyway. So, yeah. dang. All right, Zach. Well, this has been cool. Yeah. This is we had our first guest, our first friend of the show. Got to get Zach here live in person. That'd be another thing. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. We might have to adjust our camera. He's a little tall. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, we'll definitely we'll definitely work on that. We would love to have you back. This has been awesome. We'll talk 
some more of what you're doing in the world of basketball. We'll talk some more hoops just in general. I will play Zach one-on-one, too. That, that will be a thing if he comes here. Hold the camera. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, it'll be good. So appreciate you being on, Zach. Mm-hmm. This has been great. Uh, appreciate y'all, the Baseline uh, FaceTime podcast. And I appreciate you, Troy, for having me on tonight. You got it, man. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Stay safe. And uh, mm-hmm, no yeah. problem, y'all stay safe. We'll have you on soon. Yep, later, Zach. All right, sounds good. Later, y'all. Oh, I hung up on him by mistake. I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else, Manny? That's cool. To conclude, I I thought it was very cool. For those of you that don't know, that was our first time really doing anything like that. Uh, there were some technical issues that were happening as the show was going on. We're going to let you guys figure that out. I gave Troy a look like this. We'll be good because, you know, his audio was separate. Yeah. Remember, so I think we'll be all right. Not just that. No, for me, it was like as we're interviewing him, questioning him, there's a delay. So that's what the technical difficulty was. So it was very hard to do that and time it right and not speak over each other. And most importantly, it was like you want to hear what he's saying. You know, he's got knowledge that we don't have of him playing at the college level. Um no, I, enjoy, I enjoyed having him on here. We need more guests, I feel like. We'll, we'll, you know, we're going to continue to have guests. We'll hopefully have him on again, like we said. And uh, this, was a, this was, again, this was a cool episode. And uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Wherever hey, Troy, you are. if I can get Embiid on here, would you be happy? I would be extremely happy. Okay. And Ben Simmons, too? Even more happy. All right. What about LeBron? Very happy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> As a Laker? Yeah, it'd be fine. We'll get there right. eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But, uh, hey, anything else? Uh, no, just make sure if you're on YouTube, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, of course, also hit that subscribe. And I don't know if there's a notification bell you can hit on those things. I don't, I'm you not really. You should if there is. You should if there is. Um, and if you're on the other ones, other platforms that we are on. We're on a bunch, man. We're on, on too many. I just want to read it because it's fun. It's not too many. It's great. <laughs> Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you're on there, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining, too. Like, comment, subscribe, if they have that. We've never been on those sites. But, yeah. All right. That's that's right. We'll see you next time. Yep. Peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Baseline FaceTime Podcast. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.